Greetings, dear friends. My name is Alexander Vasilyevich Krutikov. Today, we're going to talk about Islam. I have been in this faith for 40 years now. I accepted Islam in the Caucasus. It is a Sufi branch called Al Qadiriya. And it is connected exactly with a Caucasian Sufi branch called Zikrism. It is a very original teaching, very original Sufi practices. And traditional Islam has not always welcomed these branches. Today, more than ever, we must follow to the teachings of Islam. Islam is translated as submission to the Almighty, of course. This is submission to God, to Allah. Submission can be seen as humility in Christian spiritual directions, where only the person who has acquired humility is considered as holy. To be obedient to Allah, to God, means to observe His laws. But in order to obey them, a person must know these laws. Personally, I cannot call a man a believer if he violates the laws of God. These laws are very clearly written in Islam because Islam, as the last word of the Almighty, transmitted through the Prophet Muhammad, has preserved most of all these essential rules of prophecy. If we compare this to Buddhism or Christianity, there are about 30 to 40 percent of the truth left that the prophets brought. They brought oral testimonies, but then they were rewrote. As for Islam, the truths that the Prophet passed on to us are 100% retained. The religious institutions of the state strictly enforce the rituals of the beliefs. 
But the rituals of faith are not only formal, so do not confuse creed with religion. The creed is a true knowledge which the Prophet received from the higher realms, and it is infallible even though certain social groups of people who seek power have subordinated this doctrine to their purposes, and many things have been lost, and many things have been added to these teachings. And so we are forced to separate the doctrine and separate it from religion. The Prophet do not put intermediaries between yourselves and Allah. Even angels should not be worshipped because Allah does not welcome it. We should strive for direct contact with God. If we submit to some religious trends, and listen to individual Imams, then we often become just controlled people. The Prophet called first and foremost to love God and His creatures, to do no unjustifiable harm to anyone. This is expressed in the words God is gracious and merciful. Every surah of the Qur'an begins with these words. By doing so, the Prophet was emphasizing the main quality of Creator. It is not just the beginning of every surah of Qur'an, but it should be the quality of every human being. It is unconditional love. It should be inherent in everyone without exception. I call it the formula of life. No living species, not just the human race, can continue without love. Every soul knows and feels this. A great deal has been said about the soul in Islam. The Prophet spoke, and on the lips of the Almighty, these words about the soul were written. Here, for example, Allah says, I created the soul and gave it a form. And woe to him who corrupts it. Today, there is a massive corruption of human souls. The Prophet associated this with the end of the world, and today 
We can state that we are very close to the end of our civilization. The salvation of our souls will now depend only on how well we keep the commandments left by the Prophet. And these are direct laws of God, which we have no right to retreat. The first commandment, the most important one, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is what Jesus said, to whom the Prophet Muhammad held the greatest reverence, and he even dedicated an entire surah called the family of Imran. The Prophet Muhammad convinced that he did not create new religions. He took the commandments given by Allah to previous prophets, Abraham, Moses, and Jesus. And so, this is very important for us. We can draw the conclusion that confirms that the fact that all these beliefs say the same thing, it is a requirement for the individual, no matter what nationality that individual may be. Our universe, like a spaceship, has an onboard computer. It is a world vacuum or energy information field. The Creator performs the role of a programmer. He has put several programs in there, the program of creation, the program of life, and most importantly, this program of the mind, which only humans must carry. No other beings have anything to do with it. This program is the highest. From time to time, there are outstanding personalities among people, prophets who are predestined from above. Predestination is one of the laws of God who is predestined to contact this world computer, receive from it information about the past, the present, and the future and to bring it to people. The Prophet Muhammad was one of these prophets. All doctrines are valuable because they bring the light of knowledge about a higher objective reality, about God and the form of His existence which is contained in those laws which the doctrine carries. 
Therefore, when we speak of Islam, we must first of all pay attention to the doctrine. The doctrine is what we should do and what we should not do, what laws we have to observe and what powers we have to get rid of. This is what the doctrine calls for. In this case, I can speak about my direction, which is called Al-Qadiriya. It was created by Al-Qadir al-Jilani, the greatest Sufi who, in all Sufi orders, is considered the first and the original. He was the descendant of the Prophet on both his father's and mother's lines. He wrote many fine works, even though it was only the 11th, early 12th century. His book, The Discovery of the Hidden, begins with an article where he says, there are three things a Muslim must keep in mind at all times. They are dictates, prohibitions, and decrees. The dictum is just what the Almighty has commanded these commandments law to be obeyed by a Muslim. The prohibition is what a Muslim must not touch. And the decree is the destiny that the Almighty has predetermined for every human being, and a man has no right to resist his destiny. On the contrary, he must strive to know his mission, what he must fulfill in this birth, and carry, as they say, his cross with dignity and patience. Patience, by the way, the Prophet Al-Qadir Al-Jilani spoke a lot about patience. Patience is also one of the laws of the Almighty Creator. The Almighty Creator simply lives by His one and only law. But in order to understand what this law is, we must examine these qualities of the Creator. And this greatest work was done by the Prophet Muhammad. He gave the names of Allah, 99 names. These are the greatest qualities that shade the very essence of the Almighty, whom we cannot know but by the manifestation of these qualities, we can judge how He acts, how He works. That is, by the way the household feels, we can judge the reasonableness of the owner, his abilities. That's about it, to put it simply. As for the teachings of the Prophet, they are, of course, priceless. It has not been fully understood to this day, because it contains many such scientific truths 
that even many modern scientists are stunned by. They cannot answer the questions that are posed. But something is beginning to emerge with the development of science, with the appearance of new scientific data. The Prophet gave, as it were, a clear image of the Creator, Allah, by describing Him in these 99 names. But we can really call the Prophet a diamond of a human race, because there were no more people like him born on earth, neither before him nor after him, because in all the directions in which he acted, in this case we have only touched upon the spiritual, he was the greatest man. He was also a scientist, he was also a commander, he was also an educator of moral qualities. He gave people, down to the last detail, all the rules of conduct that they must observe in order for society to be right, developed, happy. He spoke of the meaning of life in this way, that the meaning of life is to know the truth, and the truth is Allah and His command. And this truth a person must pass on to his offspring. This is a very important point when a person especially a young person, is planning his life, he should know it well. Before Islam, the Vedic rules prevailed. In the Indian Vedas, it says that the Almighty God created this world simply as an entertainment, as a game, and that was called the word Lila that is, the game of God. As if to answer this question, Allah says in the Qur'an, I did not create this world for entertainment. If I had, He says, I had a desire to amuse myself, I would find it in myself. What did He create this world for? He says, I created this world so that man might learn to distinguish the truth from a lie. This is a very important point, because the world is so veiled in these lies, it passes off as truth that there is a saying, a liar puts on the clothes of an honest man and accuses an honest man of lying as well. This is roughly the world we live in, and so we must learn to distinguish truth from lies. In Sufism, the founder of which I considered a prophet,
He spoke about the Sufi rules of life, about Sufi knowledge, only to the closest associates, and strictly forbade them to disseminate this knowledge among ordinary people. There are testimonies of, I believe, Abu Huraira, when ten of them were invited by the Prophet before his death and talked to them, when they left him, there is a hadith. Abu Huraira was asked, what the prophets talked to you about? And he said, I cannot tell you that, because if I tell you, you will simply stone me to death. That is, knowledge that is not yet available to man. It is a little early for him to give this knowledge. And there were cases when it is in the Hadith, also in the testimony, when certain things where the Prophet was asked, he said, it is too early for you to know. And sometimes he even said, excuse me, but I do not know this myself because this knowledge is not yet available to us. There are steps in Sufism that lead one to the truth, to the knowledge of these laws, and to man's knowledge of himself. The first stage, Sharia, is for all people. This is the first introduction to the fact that there is God, that there are angels, that there are spirits, that there was a greatest prophet, and that one should honor these commandments of the prophets. But this is the first approach, and the person who has submitted, that is, entered Islam, became humble and began to fulfill these commandments. This person is already considered holy, both in Sharia and in Christianity. This level is considered to be the highest. There is nothing higher than this level. But in Sufism, there are even higher levels. This next level is called Tariqat. One goes to Sharia to Tariqat. Where Tariqat begins, there must be a teacher, that is, one who has already reached a state of enlightenment. During Tariqat, the young man gets to know himself. Who am I? What kind of a person am I? Then the next stage comes, the Marifat. That's where a person learns who God is. When these two knowledge come together, he goes to the next stage in Sufism, which is called Stans, which is called Hakikwat. In this state, Man comes to unity with God, complete, as they say, dissolution of man in God. This person is no longer human being, but a supreme being compared to us, to ordinary people. Sufism gives great importance to the soul. The soul is a light-bearing shell of the spirit in Sufism, and the spirit itself is a particle of the Almighty, its consciousness. 
And so working with light in Sufi practices is very important. As long as a person does not know that he is light, and as long as he does not feel the work of this light, that is, of the Holy Spirit with himself, as long as he is not convinced that God is really watching his every step, every thought, every emotion, every action, that person is not yet on a spiritual path, he definitely needs a teacher. I think that Islam must now reach a whole new level. Appropriate to intellectual development of mankind. The experience that mankind has passed from the Middle Ages to the present day to which we can look back and see clearly our mistakes, our ancestors, our society, and understand more deeply the laws that Prophet Muhammad whom we love taught us and Sufis have evidence that the Prophet said, every hundred years there should come one great teacher who will renew my teaching. And modern scientists, physicists, even unbelievers, they have come to the conclusion that it is every hundred years that a genius personality is born. But unfortunately, we consider genius not those who give spiritual knowledge, but those who make revolutions, like transforming our economic life, which is not the main thing for a spiritual person. I think that at the present stage of development of mankind, those commandments which have reached us from our beloved Prophet will become for us those postulates, starting from which we will create for ourselves the right to move towards the Truth. Thank you.